Two English Majors Walk Into a Bar is created by immature adults for other immature adults. Listen at your own discretion. Welcome to Two English Majors Walk Into a Bar, a literary comedy podcast. I'm Kathleen Brumbach. And I'm Christian Lutz. I would definitely do opium with Oscar Wilde. I would get arrested with Oscar Wilde. (laughs) Worth it. People used to tell me I talked about books too much. And now you drink about books. (laughs) Is it time to get lit? Let's get lit. Christian is in her new house. It's like happy and sad because now I'm in Indiana, but you know. Boo, Indiana. But yay. Okay. Yay, new house. Yay, yes. Okay, Um, wh- who are we, Kathleen? Oh, yes. <laughs> we are two English majors. Walk into a bar. A literary comedy podcast. Yay. That was okay. a good one. I'm impressed yeah. with us. I'm proud of us. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, so uh, as we're jumping in, now that people know who we are, this this episode of it's called Christian's Adventures in Homeownership. Yeah. Shitty beginnings. Shitty beginnings. <laughs> I've already titled chapter two. Um, and we'll we'll get into that later. But chapter two is odds and ends and a broken TV. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the TV. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chirag. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Of all the other things that have happened, <laughs> I forgot about the TV. I was just like, I'm just such an idiot. I'm that, that was all me. That was my fault. Um, <laughs> Christian's been through it. Christian has been through it these past few weeks. Yeah, it's been entertaining to say the least. Well, you texted me one day and you were like, uh, oh, God, we got to do something for the podcast that's either related to water or shit. Yeah. And I knew immediately it, it was about the plumbing. <laughs> Yeah, it had to be. It had, I mean, yeah. it just, that's what we had to do this time. So, okay. So, for everybody who doesn't know, which most of our listeners might know by now, um, I moved into the house the first day. Our, the, so, Moves is taking a, a bath. He's like, great. We moved in. You know, like, let's just take today to relax. Like, yesterday was a bitch. Like, you know, moving from a fourth floor walk up. We had a wonderful crew of friends who helped us move. It went pretty, pretty well, actually. And then, we're like, we're just going to relax. We're going to unpack some boxes. We're going to take our time. Let's order some dinner and let's take baths. So Moobs gets in the bath and then I go down because I'm like, while well, you know, I'm waiting for him to take a bath or whatever, I'm going to go do laundry. And I walk downstairs and there is just gallons of water coming out of the toilet and what appears to be poop and other, you know, other excrement no. coming out of the toilet, flooding the bathroom on the, the basement, in the basement and like seeping into the carpet. Oh God. I, because he drained, there's an automatic drain on this, the bathroom we have on our first floor. Um, and he pushed the button and it drained the entire bathtub. So he couldn't stop it. Like, (laughs) so I'm like, stop draining, stop draining. I run up the stairs and I'm screaming at him and, uh, it flooded the entire area. Turns out it was mostly dirt. (laughs) So it was not somebody's feces. Oh my God. No. Remember that time you were touring a house? And you said, what I said. I was like, my journey began and ended in shit. <laughs> Christian Lutz, the shit story. <laughs> oh my God. Adventures in home ownership. But so, so it overflows. It's disgusting. We clean it up and then we start dumping like the mop water in um, our, our like 
laundry sink in the basement. Yeah. And then we noticed it's coming up the main drain. It is like bubbling. The soap is bubbling out of the drain. The toilet is filling up again. So long story short, we call a plumber. It turns out, and this is something we could not have known because this is something we, I mean, even uh, getting an inspection done, they would not have investigated. Um, The pipe that runs from our house to the main sewer line in the city has completely decayed and has no bottom. No. So we're in an ex- an exciting like the city situation. should fix that. No, because it's That's on our ridiculous. property. And oh in a God. normal situation, just so everybody knows, Indiana laws protect you as a homeowner if you purchase the house from an individual. If we purchase this house from an individual, they would be held responsible and they would have to take care of this. This house was an estate. This was someone's parents' house who had passed away and they were selling it as an estate. So Mm. since it's an estate sale, there are no legal protections. So we are just having to go through homeownership or homeowner's insurance and all of that. So it's this whole long thing. Basically, we have no bottom to our waste drain pipe and um, we have to figure out how to get that handled. Oh, if you are a plumber listening (laughs) to this podcast and you have recommendations, Email us yeah. to English we'll majors, walk into a bar at gmail.com. Email us your recommendations for if you are a plumber, if you know a plumber. Which we do. We 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 have some quotes in. We are yeah. starting on the work. The next step is to really talk to homeowners insurance and like get all of that situated. So we're on the right track. It's just like things you didn't expect to deal with your first day of owning a home, you know? Oh my God. <laughs> right off the fucking bat, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's been God. exciting, but it's all good. I mean, it is what it is. We send and, you thoughts and prayers. Yeah. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's been chaos. And like the quote we got is because the way the pipe runs, it runs under everything in our backyard. So we'd have to demolish our backyard and our garage and our deck and all. It's like this whole chaotic situation. So we're trying to figure out how we can work around that and not have to demolish literally everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's how we got to this episode. <laughs> That's how we got here to the literature. Yes. Yes. Because sometimes you just have to find solace in something that has to do with shit or water, you know? Shit and water. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Well, when Christian texted me, because I, you know, it's like I've also this past year had my own like terrible plumbing hot water. I, I live in an apartment in New York and like, the hot water situation, also terrible. So today is just our episode of water-related misery. Mm-hmm. Plumbing-related misery. I don't know like much literature out there that's like plumbing-related. I really tried to find some, and I had a hard time. It'll come to us right after we record, like yeah, immediately probably. after we record. We'll be like, oh my God, that like great. I know everybody poops, Faulkner. but like that's... Right, right. <laughs> That's all I yeah. got. But yeah, when Christian texted me, I was like, you know what this reminds me of? Tale of the Ancient Mariner. A tale <laughs> of woe. So that's what I'm doing today. Yay. Yay. Yes. I have been calling it the Tale of the Ancient Mariner forever, but apparently it's the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner and it's R-I-M-E. I've I'm... been wrong this whole time. Who knew? Oh, Interesting. Have you been calling it Tale of the Ancient Mariner? Yeah, I didn't know it was the rhyme. Yeah. Hmm. Who knows? Uh, shockingly, nothing to do with Grand Marinier. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is a Samuel Taylor Coleridge poem. And Christian, are you ready 
for my 30 second summary. <laughs> Is it going to be longer than 30 seconds? I feel like I should brace myself. No, no. It's, I mean, it will take me 20 years to get through this Wikipedia page because I have not read it until right now. It's kind of long too. Like but, this is surprisingly longer than the Harry Potter one. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter book is huge. And then it's like, I always stuff. do this. I don't know how I do this. I was thinking so, in my head. I was like, it's going to be short because it's a poem. I open up Wikipedia. <laughs> what does it say in the first freaking line? It says, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is the longest major poem by <laughs> the English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge. 30-second summary. Oh, yes, my 30-second summary is a random old guy decides to trauma dump all over a guy at a wedding and changes his life. <laughs> he just Beautiful. finds, I don't even think the the character that is receiving this story has a name. I think he's just called the wedding guest. <laughs> he's so inconsequential yeah. that he doesn't even get a name. He's just the person that gets dumped on. Right. He's just the guy that shows up and meets this old guy while he's like on his way to a wedding. And this <laughs> old guy tells him a story that changes his entire life. <laughs> and then he just like goes to the wedding, I guess. And he's like, oh, my God, you guys, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. This is insane. Yeah. I so, like how the wedding guest in the Wikipedia is capitalized. Because that's his fucking name. <laughs> like, he is forever known as the wedding guest. I want to know whose wedding he was going to. That's what yeah. I want to know. Was it open bar? It had to be. It, I, I hope, hope it was. Yeah. Because after this shit that he just, like, hears from this old guy, it better fucking be open bar. He needs that bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't open bar, I hope he left and went to the bar because this this is some crazy shit that this old random old guy, just super random. I feel like you like, just think he was mentally ill and walk away. Like this right, seems unlikely. He, he, that's that's a part of it, though. He gets pulled in by the poetry. He gets pulled oh. in by the story. The old guy is a really good storyteller. I guess if someone's super poetic, then I might be like, OK, cool. I'll listen. A super poetic person, <laughs> just like on the street corner, be like, hey, mm -hmm. can I talk to you for a second? It's like a street musician, you know? Like, yeah, if they're really yeah. good, you stop and listen. I don't. <laughs> Your life is sad. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> no street musicians here. Yes. But okay, so drinking game for this. I guess looking at this Wikipedia page, I think a really good drinking game is drink every time Kathleen references the lines of poetry. They're, they actually give us some some really great lines of poetry in this in this Wikipedia page. So this okay. is good. So I'm definitely going to reference this and, and quote some of it, especially everybody get ready to drink. The quote that made me think of this when Christian was telling me about her plumbing problems, water, water <laughs> everywhere, and all the boards did shrink, water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. Which is funny. We never say it that way. Right. We always say, I think there's a little blurb about this at the very end of the Wikipedia page. But we Water, water say, everywhere, not a drop to drink. Exactly. Exactly. But it's actually water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. Hmm. So clearly, Coleridge- Still no water to drink. <laughs> Col we're, we're, we'll send it back to Coleridge uh, for a revision. Uh, yeah. I didn't mm -hmm. realize that this was he got so- got that line wrong? Yeah. <laughs> he got his own line wrong. Mm-hmm. Take it back. I didn't either. That's, this is old. Yeah. I didn't really, it's 1797, but I guess it would have to be really old because um, it's like when ships were wooden, mm. but yeah. So basically let's get into it. So 
Coleridge, he's a great poet. This is one of the poems that shifts us from like ye olden poetry, like Shakespeare, into more modern, well, quote, modern British romantic literature. It talks about lyrical style ballads being more modern poetry. So this this puts us in a more recent time period than Shakespeare. And so this is a narrative poem. So like The Raven, it's going to tell us a story. Uh, on the Wikipedia page, it actually has a little recording. So you can listen to, uh, let's see, it's what, fifth? Oh, no, wait. I was about to say it's 30 minutes. minutes long. It's, yeah, just under 30 minutes long. So so here's the question. Will it take you longer to read the synopsis of the Wikipedia? I've only had one glass of wine, I swear to God. We're both um, tongue-tied. <laughs> will it take you longer to do this episode of the Wikipedia page, then it would take someone to listen to the entire thing. It will. We already know the answer to this. <laughs> we already know. <laughs> it's good you've accepted this about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so opening of the poem, there's an old man. He's a sailor. He's the mariner. And he's going to tell us the story. Well, not us. He's going to tell the wedding guest, this poor, unsuspecting wedding guest. And then it talks about the mariner's glittering eye that pulls in the wedding guest. What was the other? Was it? Um, it was Poe, right? The the beating heart. Mm, uh, what was maybe. the Poe short story? Shit, I can't remember the name. It's where the guy cuts out his landlord's heart and like puts it in the floorboards. Oh and God, yeah. And he uh, thinks his landlord has like an the evil telltale eye. heart. Yes, telltale heart. Thank you. Yes. I was like, this is a big one. This is a big one. <laughs> this is a big one. Um, I know this. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it, this reminds me of Telltale Heart where, I don't know, this ancient mariner, apparently like old guys with like a glittering glass eye was like, that was an, an aesthetic uh, mm-hmm. back back in the 17, 1800s. But yeah, so we have this mariner and he's like, let me tell you about this one time when I was on a ship. And I guess the wedding guest is like, well, yeah, you're a sailor. So I guess that's what you do for a living. And he was like, I was on a ship. And this is how Kathleen would story. <laughs> I was on if a Kathleen ship. If Kathleen were a mariner, if Ka- this is where we would go. Oh, that would be. <laughs> that would be Entertaining a on a whole different level. Yeah, Kathleen can't even survive like glamping. I don't even do that. <laughs> I go from city to city where there is public transportation and infrastructure you're like i'm not even sure i could do a cruise let alone be a mayor oh, i definitely <laughs> couldn't do a cruise no so many germs no not at all not at all <laughs> they also have plumbing problems that's true yeah that would be unfortunate yeah so that would really piss me off but this mariner he don't come went- to visit right now yeah <laughs> he went on the worst <laughs> cruise ever because like he was on a ship it started out good but then there was a storm and the storm, like there's a lot of north, south, east, west directions in this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to skip over those because I-, I am not Magellan. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if it's not like left at the Burger King and right at the right. Know, Krispy Kreme donut. We're, we're from Indiana. Attention. That's how we yeah. understand direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so these people on this ship, it was fine. And then they went south to Antarctica where it's really cold. And they were like, oh my God, we're going to freeze to death. And then an albatross, which is like a bird. A bird. If yeah. you've seen The Rescuers. What? The Rescuers. The I albatross. Was, I didn't know that was an albatross. Yeah. It was like a... Um, I'm pretty sure it's an albatross. My whole life is alive. That's not what's an albatross. The, what's the difference between an albatross and a Let's seagull? Let's see. What's the bird on I guess an albatross rescuers. is huge. 
Like they're they're like fifty pounds, right? It is an albatross. His name is Orville. Oh. Um, yeah, they're big. An albatross is not related to a seagull, but they are both considered seabirds. Well, for our podcast where we did not read anything <laughs> before uh, recording, obviously, today, an albatross <laughs> is like a seagull. They look alike, but bigger. Yeah, but bigger. I think they're like they're real fat too. So the albatross flies up to the ship. And at first, the sailors are like, oh, this is good. This type of bird means good luck. Because if your ship is closer to land, that's when you're going to see birds. But these albatross birds, they fly everywhere, like way out into the open ocean. Oh, no. But the ship follows the albatross and it leads them into, I guess, warmer weather. But then this stupid fucking mariner, it says he shoots the bird. And then quoting this line of poetry, everybody drink. With my crossbow, I shot the albatross. That just seems like a bad decision. Yeah. You don't decision. shoot the symbol of good luck. Exactly. So the crew is really angry with him. And they, because they believe that the albatross was trying to save them. However, the sailors change their minds when the weather becomes warmer and the mist disappears. Line of poetry here. Twas right, said they, such birds to slay that bring the fog. And so now hmm. they're like, Yes, slay that bird, slay queen. Yeah, because he was uh, definitely not trying to bring you out of the fog that you happen to continue following that path. Um, right, exactly. Also, like birds don't control the wind. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> right, right. Birds do not control the wind. I, I mean, I don't know about bird law. Yeah, like, I'm not familiar enough with bird law to yeah, to dictate. Yeah. But... I don't know about bird law, but I know that birds don't control the weather. Mm. So it says they soon find that they made a grave mistake in supporting this crime. So now they're like, oh, my God, we should have killed the bird. No, we shouldn't have killed the bird. And this is <laughs> they just cannot make up their minds. This is a lot of bird law talk happening on this ship when maybe <laughs> they should figure out how what, didn't they have to use the stars to like navigate? I feel like this is a situation where, you know, like you are out of control. This is very applicable to my life right now. You're out of control. So you want to control everything else. So now they like well, we're completely screwed. So we've got to control whether or not we should have killed this bird. Right. Um, and make sure somebody's at fault. <laughs> right. Somebody <laughs> is micromanaging this whole bird situation mm -hmm. on this ship when they really should be figuring out like where, where the fuck they're going. Right. Where are you in? I assume the Atlantic. <laughs> I'm going to say the Atlantic Ocean. That makes sense. I just want to hear what you're you sound so questioning. What is your logic behind Atlantic Ocean? Uh, well, honestly, because I know that Coleridge was a white dude, right? Mm -hmm. he and was, he didn't yeah. really go to I'm the I'm looking at a Pacific. picture of him right now. He's not cute. Don't look at that no. picture. Um, so he was a white dude and like the white people were all up in that Atlantic Ocean all the time. <laughs> I'm really glad I asked. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't. I think you're right, but I just, I had to know what your logic was behind it. You sounded so unsure. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> That I'm not Magellan. Does it say at the top if they're in the Atlantic Ocean? No, it just, <laughs> just says. Say, does it say at the top that Kathleen is not Magellan? <laughs> <laughs> it should add that to the Wikipedia page. They really should. I don't it's even know essential. where they were trying to go. <laughs> Antarctica. No, they weren't trying to. The wind blew them to Antarctica. Mm. They didn't want to go there, but they ended up there anyway. So they're no longer in Antarctica, but I don't know where they are. And they killed this bird. And then uh, it says. Uh, they soon find that they made a grave mistake in supporting the crime of killing the bird. And as it arouses the wrath of spirits, 
who then pursue the ship. So now they're being chased by ghosts <laughs> in what we assume is the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. And they're chasing them away from the land. And so it says the south wind that had initially blown them north now sends the ship into uncharted waters near the equator. So they were too cold and now they're too fucking hot. They just can't win. <laughs> right. And so I assume they're really thirsty because now it's really hot on the boat. And it's the quoting the poetry here. It says day after day, day cheers. after day. Cheers. Yes. We stuck nor breath nor motion. As idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean. Water, water everywhere, and all the boards shrink. Water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. Hmm. So yeah, so there's no water. They're starving and thirsty. It says the sailors change their mind again and blame the mariner. Of course, so, it's got to be somebody's fault. Right, so they're blaming him because they're all thirsty. And, and like, no one he, knows how to navigate. No one knows how to navigate. He was the guy <laughs> who was supposed to be in charge of the Google Maps. <laughs> and he fucked up and his phone died. He and now nobody charge, else can figure it out. He did not charge his phone before they got on the ship. And then he killed a bird. A poor, innocent albatross. It did says, nothing. in anger, the crew forces the mariner to wear the dead albatross around his neck like a necklace. I think these people are just losing their minds. Exactly. Exactly. They're so They're thirsty. Like, yeah, they're like, now it's an accessory. <laughs> Fashion show. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. You know what we should do? <laughs> make this guy wear the albatross. Make, it just makes sense. Let, we should make the bird, instead of like, I don't know, trying to cook and eat the bird somehow. Yeah, they're like starving. So these people do not think things through. Just saying. Also, what I want to know, I assume the bird landed on the ship and that's when he shot the bird with a crossbow. But like, or it was flying close by, right? But if it was flying close by, it would have been in the ocean. How'd they get it out of the ocean? Because they obviously have the dead that's bird's true. body. Yeah, they're also crazy. So maybe they fished it out. Maybe. That's a lot of work. It is. That's that's it just it's reaching. Yeah. Uh. So they change their minds again. They make him wear the albatross as a like punishment for his crime. It, it says it illustrates the burden he must suffer from killing it, or perhaps a sign of regret. After a weary time, oh, a weary time. We're calling this a weary time. Maybe that could be the chapter of <laughs> yes. your, your book, A Weary Time. I feel like that's this chapter. So the first chapter was uh, shitty, beginnings. shitty Beginnings. Second chapter, Odds Ends and a Broken TV. And then third chapter can be Weary Times. Weary Times. Yeah. So it says, the ship encounters a ghostly hulk. On board are death, a skeleton, and the nightmare life in death, which I don't know what that means. Um, a deadly pale woman who are playing. Okay, so I guess the skeleton and the woman. Now we get into like mm -hmm. the surrealism of it all. Now we get like real poetic right here. So we've got a skeleton and a, a woman, I guess, like a scary looking woman. They're playing dice for the souls of the crew. Oh, snap. Yeah. So now we've reached like full paranormal uh, activity on this ship. It says, with a roll of the dice, death wins the lives of the crew members and life in death, the life of the mariner. So she won the life of the mariner, a prize that she considers more valuable. We're going to learn more about that. Okay. Her name, her name is a clue to the mariner's fate. He will endure a fate worse than death for his punishment for killing the albatross. And These people really love this albatross. Yeah. <laughs> I know this albatross becomes so much more important than <laughs> it really is. Like 
Oh. Yeah, like normally killing a bird is like not that big of a thing. This was right? an endangered species. But also, I think that it harkens back to uh, what what was the uh, children's book that you did? The Tiggly Poe or whatever it was. Oh, Tally Poe. Tally Poe. Yes. Yeah. It's like, don't kill just a random innocent animal because it could mm-hmm. come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. Bum, That's bum, true. Bum. This uh, time you just didn't know death wasn't on it. Yeah. Like death themselves mm-hmm. and this woman, which is like, what is it? Worse than death or life and death? <laughs> I have no idea. Purgatory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, it says one by one, all the crew members die, but the mariner lives on seeing for seven days and nights the curse in the eyes of the crew's corpses whose last expressions remain upon their feet. Quoting the poetry here, four times 50 living men, and I heard nor sigh nor groan with heavy thump, a lifeless lump. They dropped down one by one. So, yeah. In, so- the, in the time that it took all of them to die, at no point was he like, oh my God, germs, let me push them off and give them a sea burial. Not like- once. Not once. He uh, he works for Carnival now. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they don't care about germs either. Mm -mm, mm -mm. they've never heard of them nope uh (laughs) they'll just go in circles until everyone's gone so yeah 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 this makes a lot of sense okay yeah exactly i take back my statement now that i know it's carnival can you imagine (laughs) getting to this part of the poem and then remembering that this is being told to a guy who was just on his way to his friend's (laughs) wedding i'm not gonna lie i forgot that so yeah (laughs) just chilling at a bus stop you know yeah (laughs) It's just at the bus stop and this like scary looking old dude is old like, let me, let me tell you about how I was on a boat and then I killed a bird and then we were cursed. And then a skeleton like 50 and people a woman died. Yeah, everybody died around me, but I kept living <laughs> because that was my punishment worse than death. And here I am He's like, fuck, is it coming after me now? And here I am at the, <laughs> at the Clark and Lake. A train stop in Chicago. It would definitely be Jackson. It would definitely be Jackson. <laughs> or the Roosevelt Red Line. Ugh, Roosevelt... Jackson's worse. It smells like, oh, God. Yeah. Roosevelt is like, because you have like the museum campus. So it's like mildly okay sometimes. Yeah. Jackson has that like freaky, weird hallway where you're like, I might die here every single yeah. time. You pass through the hallway and you're like, people have died here. And it's pretty clear. Yeah. It smells like piss. It'd be a terrible place to die. But yeah. you can just tell that's yeah. what has happened. Like the conditions on this boat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Carnival Cruise Lines, please sponsor this episode. <laughs> we'll say nice things next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> okay, so back to the boat. Uh, it says, eventually... This stage of the Mariner's curse is lifted after he begins to appreciate the many sea creatures swimming in the water. So <laughs> this is just phase one of the curse. This is just like a whole poem on like, you should appreciate nature. Have some respect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You have some respect for the birds at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, despite his cursing them as slimy things earlier in the poem, he suddenly sees their true beauty and blesses them <laughs> um he manages to pray uh the albatross falls from his neck and his guilt is partially expiated 
I don't know what that Everyone died and he's still wearing the albatross. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> he's still wearing it. What? He likes it. <laughs> Honestly, he's like, when I get back to no, dry land, this is going to be everything. So cool. New fashion craze. Wear a dead bird around your neck. <laughs> I yeah. get like the the symbolism, but if you take this literally, it is a very entertaining. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh so the albatross falls off and then he's like, "Oh, I feel a little bit better now. I don't feel so guilty." Uh and then it starts to rain and we all know what that means in literature. Uh what's the um Hillary Dove like the rain fall down. Oh, I don't know I the know, words don't now. act like you don't know this song. I know. But- oh, no, I definitely know this song. And wash away. Yes. Yes. I can't remember the lyrics, so it's like something in my sanity. All the millennials <laughs> out there are like screaming at us like, no, it's this. Remember how many times Kathleen has referenced the poem? Yeah, we're all drunk. Mm-hmm, exactly. I actually have wine tonight. I'm going to have that like song stuck in my head for the next 10 years. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but the ancient mariner, he's still on the boat. He feels a little bit better. There's rain and the bodies of the crew possessed by good spirits now. So now we've got more ghosts. They rise again and they steer the ship for him. In a trance, the mariner hears two spirits discussing his voyage and penance and learns that the ship is being powered supernaturally. So not only are there ghosts like crewing this ship back to land, apparently, but they're gossiping about him. (laughs) Someone with anxiety's worst nightmare. Right. It's like... (laughs) He's the only living person on the boat, and all the ghosts are like, "What about that guy? Look at that guy! Yeah, what's up with that loser? Like, why? He's alive, but he still sucks. Why is he wearing a bird around his neck? Like, (laughs) no, he took that off. It fell off. He did did take it off. But you know, they were talking shit before. (laughs) They have Uh, nothing else to do. So, uh, finally, the mariner wakes from his trance. And comes in sight of his homeland. Does not say what his homeland is. I'm going to assume maybe Italy. Mm. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) It's initially uncertain as to whether or not he's hallucinating. Quoting the text here. Oh, dream of joy. Is this indeed the lighthouse? uh, The lighthouse top I see. Is this the hill? Is this the Kirk? Is this mine own country? We drifted or the harbor bar. Oh, the harbor bar. Maybe that was the on-ship bar. Maybe they had a bar. Um, Sounds like it. And I was Probably as easy to find as the Mets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I, with sobs, did pray, oh, let me be awake, my God, or let me sleep always. So, yeah. So, he sees his homeland, wherever that might be. The rotten remains of the ship uh sink in a world now there's a whirlpool <laughs> it sucks the ship this down. shit's exciting honestly if you wrote this and it was in a script and you were like kathleen read this script for me i'd be like that's <laughs> like we've already had like an entire supernatural like, ghost crew what are we even doing now right like, this right. isn't ghost ship pick like- a struggle pick a struggle <laughs> uh it says uh, the hermit on the mainland who has spotted the approaching ship comes to meet in the boat. Oh, I guess there's like a rowboat. Uh, a rowboat uh, by, or no, he, I guess, is in a rowboat. I'm very confused, but that's fine. One of, one of them is in a rowboat and someone gets in the rowboat. Exactly, exactly. Okay. If you're drunk enough, nobody cares. Uh, 
when they pull the mariner out of the water, all the boats look the same. Uh, they pull him out of the water. They think he's dead. But when he opens his mouth, the pilot shrieks with fright and the hermit prays. And the mariner picks up the oars to row. He's like, I got to get out of the fucking ocean right now. It has been. Move out the way. (laughs) He's like, we got to get to land right now. And so the okay, so there's a pilot's boy and he laughs and he's I guess he was the guy that was rowing the rowboat before. And he's like, oh, my God, I don't have to do that anymore. That's fantastic. Um, this is wonderful. And he thinks the mariner is the devil. He cries, the devil knows how to row. <laughs> Why is that so funny? That's <laughs> why well, it's it sounds so modern. It does. Like it's it sounds like like a thing that like we would see and be like, oh my god, it's the devil. Oh my god, the devil knows how to row. <laughs> wow. So cool. Wow, I didn't I wouldn't have expected I'm impressed. that. Yeah, special <laughs> skills for Satan himself. Um uh, so they get back to land, and this uh is where the mariner, compelled by woeful agony to tell the hermit his story. So first he tried to tell the hermit all about this. Now he's telling the wedding guest. I guess the hermit like ran away. Um, the hermit was like, I am not sitting here for this. Yeah, the hermit was the like, the poor I wedding actually... guest was too polite. Yeah, he was like, I actually have to go to work. So <laughs> yeah, uh, catch you later. Um, and it says, <laughs> as penance for shooting the albatross, the mariner driven by the agony of his guilt is now forced to wander the earth, telling his story over and over and teaching the lesson to those he meets. Which I guess the lesson is like, don't kill birds at sea. I guess. I feel like that, like if he were, if a mariner was, you know, doomed forever to do this, he is now the guy trying to tell you how recycling will change the world. Yeah. That is his fate. Yeah. And you're like, but what about the corporations? And he's like, the corporations won't listen to me. So he just tells you over and over again. (laughs) He's Al Gore. Poor Al Gore. (laughs) Al Gore tried to tell us. He never should have killed that albatross. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, after finishing his story, oh, I guess he did get to tell the hermit his story. He told the hermit the Sparknotes version of the story. And then he was like, that was the rehearsal. Let me go find another victim. (laughs) And he tells him his story. The mariner leaves. And that's when the wedding guest, oh, it says the wedding guest returns home. Waking the next morning, a sadder and wiser man. Oh, I guess. Okay. So this is after the wedding guest has heard the story. And then he wakes the next morning, a sadder and wiser man. The poem received mixed reviews from critics and Coolridge. Why do I keep saying Coolridge? I think of Cool Whip. (laughs) Same thing. Coolridge was once told by the publisher that most of the book's sales were to sailors who thought it was a naval songbook. Coleridge (laughs) uh, made several modifications to the poem over the years. In the second edition of Lyrical Ballads, which I guess was the... Um, yeah. yeah, book this was published in. Uh, in 1800, he replaced many of the archaic words with, I guess, more modern words. That's probably where we get the, uh, oh my God, the devil knows how to row. Um, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. All I keep thinking of is there's a song called The Mariner's Revenge by the, De- I think it's by the Decemberists. Yeah, by the Decemberists. Um, it has absolutely nothing to do with anything in this story except the word mariner. But I keep singing it to myself. I like it. So yeah. I love this poem. I remember actually reading parts of this poem in uh, in high school. And I believe it was sophomore year of high school that we read parts of this. And it was all about teaching about the um, various, uh, I think it's like repetition. I think it says at the top. Uh, so uh, Coleridge was a huge lover of 
using the supernatural and uh, using repetition and various literary techniques to like grab the the audience and like pull to his lyrical style and um, and poetry. So we we read this specifically to learn about those literary devices, uh, which I cannot find on the Wikipedia page right now, but it's fine. But they I, exist. They yeah, do they, exist. They exist. People use them in poetry all the time. They're great. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to go over the, what part of the Wikipedia page did I want to look at? One of the parts you haven't read. Yes. As I'm reading them <laughs> right now, like in front of the class while giving my presentation. Uh, I'd say it's a solid C. C's get degrees. Yeah, yeah, C's get degrees. (laughs) So in popular culture, this is toward the bottom of the Wikipedia page. It does talk about like the phrase uh, albatross around your neck comes from this poem, obviously. People say that? Yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah. Like if if, uh, like the burden of guilt is what it says in the Wikipedia page, but um, also like having like a heavy burden to bear is like having Mm -hmm. an albatross around your neck. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, what led us here today, water, water everywhere. Not, I, wait, I always say not any drop to drink. I've always said not a drop to drink. Let's see, what does it say on the Wikipedia page? Some uh, such appearances have in turn. So I guess, yeah, it's misquoted all the time. Yeah. It makes That's sense. Yeah. So, and let's see. Um, there's a thing about early criticism. And then there's also a lot in the Wikipedia page about uh, Wadsworth. What, wait, I'm drunk. Wadsworth. Yeah. Wordsworth, not Wadsworth, Wordsworth's uh, comments, I guess. I guess he and our boy Coleridge were friends. Yes. Yes. So uh, Wordsworth wrote to Joseph Cottle in 1799. He says, from what I can gather, it seems that the ancient mariner has upon the whole been an injury to the volume, meaning like like this poem was the worst part of the book. Uh, like a big book of poetry. I mean that the old words and the strangeness of it have deterred readers from going on. If the volume should come to a second edition, uh, I would put in its place some little things which would be more likely to suit the common taste. So basically, like Wordsworth, I guess they weren't, maybe they were frenemies. Okay, so I have a I have a story for this, but it involves yes. Thomas de Quincey as well. So this it was is Thomas later. de Quincey, for those of us who don't know, like me. He wrote <laughs> the best book of all time from 1820s, um, Confessions of an English Opium Eater. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So you've heard me talk about this book. Yes. This is just a random one I read in college and it always like latched on. He's basically just tripping the entire time. Hell tripping, yeah. rolling. I don't know what it is on. Tripping balls. Yeah. On opium. Is it tripping? Is it rolling? I don't know, but he's fucked up. He, Coleridge has a reputation for eating more opium than De Quincey. Apparently he was a massive opium fiend. And the whole book Thomas De Quincey is fucked up, out of his mind, talking about his trips on opium and how amazing they are and how he eats so much more opium than Coleridge. And he randomly throws in some references to Wordsworth, too, because they all like ran in the same circle, but weren't quite friends, like constantly in competition with one another. Yeah, they were frenemies. But it cracks me up that like, you know, Wordsworth here is like giving some real like feedback on like what he thinks is good and bad about this. And De Quincey is like, fuck them. I eat way more drugs than they do. It just becomes a pitch- pissing match of like who does yeah. more drugs. And I mean, I could remember all of this incorrectly, but um, I'm pretty sure Coleridge is the one he's referencing throughout Confessions of an English Opium Eater. Oh my it's pretty God. entertaining. <laughs> that's perfect. Well, that's a little bit of insight 
into Coleridge's maybe thought patterns as he was writing this poem. <laughs> That's why he wore the albatross. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it says an inspiration for the poem. It says the poem may have been inspired by James Cook's second voyage of exploration. Uh, that was 1772 to 1775 mm -hmm. of the South. Oh, my God, Christian of the South Seas and the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You were wrong. <laughs> now I'm pissed. It says, well, okay. Critics have suggested that the poem may have been inspired by the voyage of Thomas James into the Arctic. So wait, the Arctic and the Antarctic, those are the opposites, right? Yes. Yeah. But you can get there through both oceans. I don't know anything about geography. <laughs> Can you I get to both like, places while sailing on? I'm trying to find yeah. your picture. Yeah, but I'm trying to find Christian, your picture. Christian, I have seen a world um, map. Are you sure? <laughs> picture. <laughs> I'm picturing these um, people on this boat. Like they're trying to go like, you know how people would go down around the bottom of Africa? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was picturing. That's the Atlantic Ocean, right? Okay. So I'm going to tell you how I remembered it when I was in like fourth grade. So the Titanic sank. In the Atlantic right over a T. Yeah. So I do know that. On the Atlantic. So you know where the, the Titanic was coming from. Then you know where the Atlantic is and then where the Pacific is in reference yes. to the United States. Yes. I just know that the Atlantic <laughs> is the New York side and the Pacific is the California side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These people aren't near either of them. They're up at the top and the bottom. But it doesn't say on the, the left or the right. Christian <laughs> is like, that's not how directions work. Um, that's not how a globe works. We are not in the flat earth society. <laughs> we are not. Absolutely not. To be clear. But it's still like. like I'm going to send you a West. link to a map. I know what the map <laughs> looks like. But if you're going to go to the Antarctic or the Arctic, the Arctic would be most accessible by the Atlantic Ocean, right? Um, Because it's. I mean, it's, it's most accessible by, by the Arctic Ocean. It's by um, Greenland. Is okay. Is the Arctic? Is that is that the it, top or is that the bottom? That's the top. Okay. So think. Of, yes. You have to have the opposite. So the Arctic Ocean is at the at the top. Um, yes. Antarctic <laughs> is at the bottom. Antarctica is at the bottom. And I also yes. don't think that there's a thing called the Antarctic Ocean. No, but it's the Atlantic Ocean, right? Yes, it's the Atlantic. Like the South Atlantic Ocean is near Antarctica, but there is the Arctic Ocean. Arctic Ocean. It gets its own ocean? Apparently. It's like north of... Greenland. Um, well, it's Greenland's there, but it's also like north of Alaska if you're thinking the U.S. But see, that makes me think of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> That's on the <laughs> left-hand side. Well, the Pacific Ocean's like under Alaska. So let's say Alaska is the dividing point between the Arctic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. The dividing ocean. point that the English majors decided to get. Yes. Because ultimately it's all one big ocean. <laughs> because if it's a circle. I was going to say like Bering Strait separates those, but I'm I'm afraid that would confuse you. I thought the Bering Strait was like how people got into America. Like, I mean. <laughs> what we now know as America. Okay, that's what okay, that is, me, right? Yeah, the Bering Strait is right there. Yeah, so the but, Arctic Ocean is north of the Bering Strait. Okay, or Bering Sea, I guess. Um, and then the Pacific Ocean is south of that. So that little land, and then we'll we won't get into the other things that exist, like the Siberian. Oh, how could I forget about the <laughs> Siberian Sea? 
How could I forget about that one? We're diving into my random knowledge of oceans. You get to look at it. I don't even look at a map. I just sit here and confidently be like, they're in the Atlantic Ocean. I can feel it. <laughs> I'm over here like licking my finger and be like, ah, yes. <laughs> I can feels, tell that this one happened. This feels like the North. Atlantic Ocean. But now <laughs> I think it's the Pacific because if they're going or no, they were going to they got blown down mm -hmm. to Antarctica. But it's built, yeah, but you could still be blown. Okay, basically, you know, the globe is a ball. Mm -hmm. Antarctica is the cap on the bottom and the Arctic is the cap on the top. So you have like, yeah. <laughs> I wish people could see this. This is the part we need to like screen record. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the part at the um, bottom, but like aren't both. Okay. So it's all the way the around. Top, yeah, I know. But like the part at the top, is it like closer to like Russia or is it closer to like so it's I mean speaking geographically and, I think and it's the part closer at the bottom to... the part at the bottom is it closer to like Africa like the southern yeah so like 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 so they went to the they ended up in Antarctica which is yeah like think the bottom of Africa and the bottom of South America yeah but it's a cap at the bottom so it runs yes. all the way around the globe like so at the bottom on the other side so they could be in the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean. It would have been so helpful if Coolridge would have just explained this and then we all wouldn't be wondering like 400 A minor geography later. lesson prior to telling the story. <laughs> Incredibly helpful for all those aspiring poets. He could there. have just drawn a map. Yeah. Just draw a map and then write your poem inside draw it. Draw a map because at some point they end up near the equator too. Yeah. So that like makes sense. Which, which of those oceans... They're both on the equator. Okay. I was going to say, if you ask me which ocean is on the equator, I might lose it. <laughs> no, I know they're both on the equator, but like which of those oceans, if you had been, see, that's why. Honestly, why... I want to know how they got to the equator so quickly. They were in like Antarctica and then they got to the Supernatural yeah, ghosts no. driving the boat. That's how they got there so quickly. When you got ghosts driving your boat. I guess you... so. <laughs> you travel extra fast. <laughs> And I love how we're trying to apply so much science. We're trying to apply so much science to a boat that's being like driven by ghosts. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really wish Coleridge would have um, given us a map because I'm picturing them going from like somewhere in the Middle East around the bottom of Africa. And that's why they get so close to the Atlantic. And then they go up the coast of Africa. And then I imagine that maybe he lands or no. That can't be it because he lands back in his hometown. Okay. So let's say, where'd you say you think he's from? Well, Italy? I thought, <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's from Italy. He just, he went very... all the way the fuck around Africa and back <laughs> all the way back. All the, he was in all the like, ocean past Portugal, all the way back into the Mediterranean sea. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to say he's from Portugal. That does make sense. That does make sense. I feel it has to be somewhere where there's going to be people. What is it? A hermit? Yeah. Still makes zero sense. Like if you're looking at the timeline and the geography, like this is all. But also, you know, he was on opium. So he was on opium. It didn't matter what ocean he was in. He could have been it, it in a all bathtub. connected somehow. Yeah. It probably was. Yeah. <laughs> He was on opium. He was on like, you know, like Kathleen time where he was like, the oceans don't touch each other except at the Bering Strait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He had to hold the, the globe in his hands to make the little caps too. He did. <laughs> he's like, where did they go? Africa's here. And this is the... Well, see, okay. So he's an English poet. So let's put our, our ancient mariner in England. That's still easier than Italy. 
true. But like if we put him in England, like where are they going? Are they going to America? They'd have to be going south to get anywhere near. Like maybe they're trying to go to Africa. I don't know. Or South America. But who knows? Oh, that See, if if the ancient mariner is English, that supports my claim that it's the Atlantic Ocean. That's true. But okay, so he was, but Cook was going where? What was the space off of? Cook was, he was in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Where was Cook? I guess it doesn't say they just left home. <laughs> <laughs> it was crewed by ghosts. This is where Spirit Airlines originated. This is the Little origin. Did we know the origin story. <laughs> Spirit Airlines. They really are a horror. <laughs> Tale of the Ancient Mariner. Oh my god. Oh my god. All right. Well, that's that's my um that's that's my tale of the ancient mariner. <laughs> that's it. I like this poem. I like the fact that Coleridge used so many like archaic words in it. It really tripped me up reading it and also the fact that I kept reading it making myself even more drunk. Uh, <laughs> but I liked it. It was old-timey. He really sounded like a sailor. Old-timey. Yeah. My niece says that about the 90s. Not that people sound like sailors, but that we're old timey. Oh no! I would say I have a quiz. Point. I would say I have a quiz for you, but my quiz w- really was: Are they in the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean? But you didn't know the answer to that. How is that I, a quiz? I still don't know the answer to that. <laughs> That's cheating. The world may never know. You should just be like our next live show. That should be the question. In the we'll have people vote. People, we yeah. should have like a poll. Where people can vote, is it the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean? Which and do we you... elect two audience members, and one represents the Atlantic, one represents the Pacific, and whichever one loses has to drink a shot of Malort. Yes, yeah, we give them knives and we have them fight each other, gladiator style. <laughs> Even better. And who... <laughs> whoever loses dies, and whoever wins does a shot of Malort as victory. To all the theaters that we're talking about or talking to about yes. doing a live show, we are in fact joking. Just to be clear, we are. We are. <laughs> there will be no harm that will come to anyone in the production of our show, <laughs> except maybe if they take a shot of Malort and throw up. Yeah, I was going to say we can't promise that. We are giving them Malort. So. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Do we have anything to close this out? I don't think so. Nothing. Well, get on our social media. Because I will try to figure out how to get that poll. Like, in our, do, you, do you do polls and stories? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. We've done yeah. polls and stories before. Yeah. So as soon as I'm going to try and this... find a Hillary Duff to paste your face onto and <laughs> yes. do a story of that song. Now, let, that's provided I can get back into my social media because I'm still out. Oh, no. I think I could figure it out. I figured out some of the of the Instagram for last yeah. time. I think I have to just delete everything. And then go back in because now it's like error, error, error. That like, explains a lot of my life. Yeah. Hell yeah. Complicated. Christian will figure it out, but follow us on social media regardless of whether it like I feel like I'm the um the crazy aunt that's babysitting the social media right now. And Christian is like the mom who's like late at work. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know what? We're having dino nuggets for dinner tonight because I don't know how to cook anything else. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what it feels right. like. Yeah, yes. All right. Well, we love you. We uh, follow us. Two English majors walk into a bar. Definitely on Instagram, so you can answer that poll. And I'm Kathleen Brumback on all social media. And I'm Christian Lutz. Yay! Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>
Teenagers Walk Into a Bar is produced by Kathleen Brumbach and Christian Lutz. Cover art by Bobby Lutz and sound design by Matt Fletcher.